0: Just as I am without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me. Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. It's great to have you with us. My name is Steve Webb. Today, Pastor Bennett continues in the second chapter of John, and he'll deal with verses 12 through 16. Let's get our Bibles out and join Pastor Mel Bennett. Pastor?
1: Thank you, Steve. Today, we're going to look at John, the second chapter, verses 12 through 16, and picture Jesus in his anger cleansing out the temple. So go with me and let's begin to read at the second chapter, verses 12 through 16. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So first of all, he went to Capernaum, and then he goes on to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the the changers' money, and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold the doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. So we see Jesus as he goes to a wedding in Cana. There he had been in a place of happiness and joy. He turned the water into wine, performing his first miracle. After making a trip to Capernaum with his disciples and his mother, he went to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate a feast. It was the Passover, and all males over 18 and living within 20 miles of the city were required to attend. Many people from foreign places came for the Passover feast, and it is estimated there were possibly two and a quarter million people in the city. What should have been an incredibly happy occasion turned into the only time we see Jesus very angry. Indeed, he was very angry. I believe the anger of Jesus is something to be feared. This is one of the most important events of his life. You will begin by asking the question, why did his disciples act as he did? The Passover feast was the greatest of all the Jewish festivals. Every Jew over 18 must pay the temple tax This was so that the sacrifices and temple rituals might be carried out each day. The tax was one half shekel. Now a working man's wage was about eight pence per day, so the tax was the equivalent of two days' wage. It had to be paid in the Galilean shekel or a temple shekel. The money of foreign governments was considered unclean and therefore could not be used. Here was the problem. The money changers were a necessary part of the feast activities, but they were getting unfair prices for the exchange. For an example, if a man brought a coin valued at two shekels, he had to pay two pence for the exchange. He then had to pay three other two pences to get the coin changed for half shekels, so he could pay the tax. The money changers made eight pence from him, which was equal to a day's wage. It was estimated that the temple had an average income from the temple tax alone at over $100,000 a year, and the money changers received an annual profit of about $12,000 a year. The changing of money in and of itself was not wrong, but what enraged Jesus was the abuse the money changers took of the foreigners. In addition to the money changers was the sellers of oxen, sheep, and doves. All animals had to be inspected for flaws. If the animal was purchased from other than the sellers in the courtyard, it was automatically called flawed by the inspectors. The cost of an inspection of an animal was two pence, and if purchased outside the temple, it would never pass inspection. Also, the cost of an animal was much higher inside than outside. It was a matter of extortion, and Jesus was angry. I believe there are three reasons why Jesus acted as he did. First of all was this. God's house was being desecrated. In the temple, there was worship without reverence. Reverence is an instinctive thing. Worship without reverence can be a terrible thing. It may be worship which is formalized and made to happen. We tend to pray for people to hear and not God. Our prayers are dignified and not very effective. You know, listen to us sometimes. Dear God, we pray this morning that you will meet our needs well, I, I think that's more for people to hear than God to error if we're going to talk to god, we're going to talk to Him like we'd talk to our brother, our sister, our mother, or our father. It may be worship in which the leader or congregation is totally unprepared. How many times have you do we go into the pulpit unprepared? We need to ask ourselves that it may be worship in which the people are using the house of God in such a way that reverence and the true function of God's house is forgotten. The temple court at Jerusalem may have had the clutter of animals and coins, etc. We may find that way of irreverence is not common now, but there are other ways of offering irreverent worship to God. Secondly, I believe there was the show to show that the whole paraphernalia of animal sacrifice was completely irrelevant to God. Listen to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11-17. through 17. He says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of calves. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices, incenses, and abomination to me the new moons the sabbaths and the calling of assemblies i cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meetings your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates they are a trouble to me i am weary of bearing them when you spread out your hands i will hide my eyes from you even though you may make many prayers i will not hear your hands are full of blood wash yourselves make yourselves clean Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do the evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. That's what God says to the people through Isaiah the prophet. Throughout the Old Testament, there was a chorus of prophetic voices telling the people that God was not interested in sacrifices that continually smoked on the altar in Jerusalem. I have given one. But there are many, many pictures in the Bible, in the Old Testament, of prophets hearing from God and speaking to the children of Israel about their offerings and sacrifices. It may be that Jesus had in mind that no sacrifice of an animal can make a man right in God's sight. We are not totally free from the tendency today. We do not sacrifice animals, but we can identify the service of God with good-sounding music proper raising of money, well-carved pieces of furniture, etc., and all the while real worship is far from us. Not that these things are bad. They may be the loving offering of a loving heart. When there are aids to the true devotion, they are blessed of God. When there are substitutes for the devotion, they make God sick at heart. Listen to Mark chapter 11 verse 17 for the third reason. He said, "'My house shall be called a house of prayer.' For all nations, underline that, for all nations in your Bible, but you have made it a den of thieves. The temple consisted of a series of courts that led to the Holy of Holies. The most outer court was the court of the Gentiles. All the buying and selling was going on in this court, but it was the only place a Gentile could come to meet with God. If there was a Gentile whose heart God had touched, and he came into the court to meditate and pray, and his heart was being turned to worship God. This was the only place he knew to pray and meet with God, perhaps. How tragic that Annas, the high priest, allowed such actions to take place in the house of God. He put his own sons in charge of the inspection of animals and birds, and they would use their position to cheat the people. He charged for the stalls and the booths, and believed he took a percentage of the profits that they made. John states that Jesus said, you have called my father's house a house of merchandise. Matthew and Mark say a den of thieves. We would translate it this way, a den of robbers or a cave of bandits. Jesus was saying, this is what you religious leaders have done. You've made my house a den of thieves. You made it a cave for bandits. Yet the worst thing that was being done was an outsider from the faith who was searching for God could not find him in the place set apart for just this. These Jews had turned it into such a place of uproar and rabble that it would be impossible to worship and pray. The conduct of the temple court shut out the seeking Gentile from the fringe of the presence of God. Jesus was moved to the depths of his heart because seeking people were being shut out from the presence of God. I wonder sometimes. Is there anything in our churches that would shut people out, like snobbishness or exclusiveness, a coldness, a lack of welcome, a closed club feeling, or an arrogance, anything that keeps the seeking stranger out of the church? We need to remember the anger of Jesus that hated anything that kept the seeking stranger from being able to meet with God. It would do us well to periodically check our own hearts and see if we are shutting out people from the presence of the living God. Jesus came to meet people at the point of their need. And if you are one person who has a need, only Jesus is willing and ready and able to meet that need right here and now. I was listening to Bill Gaither's singing the other night, and he was being interviewed by someone, I forget who it even was, but he said this matter of the church for being impossible to praise God. He said, when I heard that they were telling the church people, don't sing anymore when you go to church, he said, I I, I had to laugh to myself and think, uh, how are they going to stop them from worshiping God? God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, the Bible says. So I encourage you today to find Jesus and look and live and let him Be the one that you worship this morning. And if you want to sing a song unto the Lord, here's a good one to sing. It's called Jesus is Passing This Way. It was written by a woman by the name of Annie James, early in the 1900s. She wrote this song. Listen to the words. Is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming, Jesus is passing this way. Jesus is passing this way, this way today. Jesus is passing this way, is passing this way today. Is there a heart that has wandered? come with thy burden today? Mercy is tenderly pleading, Jesus is passing this way. Is there a heart that is broken, weary and sighing for rest? Come to the arms of the Savior, pillow thy head on his breast. Come to the only Redeemer, come to his infinite love. Come to the gate that is leading homeward to mansions above. Jesus is passing this way, this way, this way today. Jesus is passing this way, is passing this way today. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that we can come into the presence of God. No one can stop us from doing this. We can come into your presence. We could sing our hearts are full of joy and singing and praising to God for the goodness of God and the goodness that you bring to us. We thank you that you are passing this way today, and if we will reach out, we can touch Jesus, and he will make us every whit whole for the glory of God. Now, Lord, touch our lives, touch our hearts. This day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you like the broadcast, if you've listened to this podcast at all, why don't you drop me an email at at gmail at gmail.com. Once again, that's M-B-M-E-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. God bless you. Next week,
0: Pastor Bennett will be continuing in John, and his subject will be the new temple and God searching the heart. If today's study touched your heart, I know that Pastor Bennett would love to hear from you. You can write to him at the email address he referenced at the end of his message, or Pastor B at LifeSpringMedia.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.